Do you sometimes feel like your work for Christ, whether that's a ministry, being the best parent you can be, being the best spouse you can be, do you ever feel like those efforts are not bearing fruit and that they're in vain? I do. I definitely do. And I want to encourage you today in two areas. So I want to encourage you, number one, that your labor is not in vain. God sees what you're doing, and He's not going to forget what you're doing. And I have some scriptures for you. And then secondly, I want to encourage you that God is working all the time in miraculous ways to lead your loved ones and there's just everybody on the planet, leading them to Himself. And I'm going to use my testimony as a way of showing how this is true, how God used other people, obedient servants, to win me to himself. And I really think it's going to encourage you. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome to the More Power Than You Think podcast. I'm Jennifer Scow. After receiving a bipolar diagnosis in 2013, God taught me that his solution to messy life was not changed circumstances, but rather a transformation of the mind to Christ's perspective. More Power Than You Think refers to the power we have to be changed and transformed based solely on what we think and believe in our mind. Renewing the mind is so much more than overcoming thoughts of depression and anxiety. It is choosing thoughts that you unify instead of divide, that love instead of hate, that lead to surrender instead of pride. It is the key to loving God properly, to getting through suffering without accusing God or feeling like a victim. The key to preventing adultery, murder, ruined relationships, and prevents regret, sin, shame, and guilt. Every single thing we do today begins with a thought in our mind and what we choose to do with it. When our thoughts and beliefs are out of alignment with God, we get hurt and we even hurt others. But our lives and the lives we impact can be transformed when we choose God's thoughts and Christ's perspective to guide us instead. On this podcast, we learn to renew the mind in every area of our lives so we can live, love, and be loved the way Christ intended. So today in Sunday School, the Sunday School teacher shared some lyrics to a song. And this song is about a man who, at the end of his life, he's up, uh, goes up to heaven. And while he was living on earth, he just felt like all of his efforts didn't really bear much fruit. He didn't feel like he was making an impact at all. But when he got to heaven, here's the chorus of the song. It says, then he, and that's Jesus, showed me the face of the ones who'd come because of me. So many faces that my life had led to Calvary. All those years I thought nobody saw as I labored in lowly places, that's when Jesus smiled and showed me all the faces. I think that we are making more of an impact than God allows us to see while we're on this earth. And, you know, I don't know all the reasons why God does that. And I'm sure one of the reasons is for humility. Um, you know, it, we need to just keep depending on Him. And if, I don't know, sometimes when we see the fruit that our work is is bearing, it can stumble us into pride. But I know there's other amazing reasons why God does that. But He does do that, doesn't He? He keeps that fruit. 
hidden from us often. We don't get to see the whole magnitude of it. And that's why I think that he puts these verses in the Bible, uh, one of the reasons anyway. Let me read you some verses. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know, and I love this part, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our work is not in vain. All things work together for good. All things doesn't just mean the trials like Joseph went through. It means every seed that we plant, every good decision we make. All of these things work together for good. He sees them all. None of it goes unnoticed. Uh, Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. So if your ministry and your service is towards other believers, God's telling you, I'm not forgetting what I'm seeing here, my child. I see you. And concerning the lost, here's some great verses that our labors, even though we might not see the fruit, um, in fact, the Sunday school teacher said he doesn't even know the man that led him to the Lord. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know who he was. And that man doesn't know where he is. It's like, you know, he was faithful to do the work and fruit came from it. But this man doesn't know that my Sunday school teacher is now a faithful servant. Here's some verses. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So don't give up. And Psalm 126, 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So maybe that verse is possibly proof that the lyrics to that song are scriptural, that Jesus is going to show us our sheaves, our fruit that that we labored for here on earth. And then uh, Psalm 126.5, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. What I want to share with you today is my testimony. I'm going to take you chronologically through how God brought me to him, but it's going to benefit you because it's not about me. What I'm wanting to point out in this salvation testimony is all the people that God used to show me glimpses of him so that I would eventually, at the age of 15, accept him as my Savior. And maybe, here's my hope, my hope is that you'll see yourself in some of these people that, <clears throat> excuse me, that God used to bring me to him. And it will encourage you that although you might not see the fruits of your labor right now, it is not in vain. So first of all, the power of our testimony. I love this verse in Revelation 12, 11. It says, and they overcame him, and him is referring to the accuser, the devil, by the blood of the lamb, praise the Lord, and by the word of their testimony. Our testimonies are powerful. And then in 2 Peter 3, 9, this should really encourage us. God was always working to bring me to him, and he's doing the same thing in the lives of your loved ones and the lost ones that you go soul winning every week to try, you know, you hand out random tracks to random people that you don't even know, and you never see them again. God's working. So here's a great verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is always working. 
Now for my testimony. At the end of our episode, I'm actually going to play you the song I wrote about my testimony. It's called Glimpses of You. And it takes you chronologically through the various people and circumstances that God brought me through until finally I became his child at age 15. The very first glimpse I want to share with you is when I was very young, when I was four, my parents got divorced. I was born in Florida. They got divorced. I moved to Iowa. My dad moved to Colorado. I have a brother. So I was four and he was six. And then my mom is now a single mom. And we live in this old house that used to be a barn. (laughs) And it, it was very sweet memories, a lot of sweet memories in that house. And one of the things that God used in those very early years, so sometime between the ages four and six, my grandfather sent me and my brother two things. A plain, regular Bible. It was red. I still have it. And he also sent us a comic book Bible. Now, it might be easy for us to say, you know, the Bible should never be made into a comic book. That's just wrong. You know, children can understand God's Word. And you know what? I agree. A child absolutely can understand God's Word, can memorize it. But we were lost people. And my grandfather wanted to somehow get God's word into our house in a way that we would start getting familiar with the name God and the name Jesus and the word Bible and the characters of the Bible. And I'll tell you what, that comic book Bible, I would say was about two inches thick. It was a, it was the entire Bible in comic book form. And I've read that thing many, many times. So can you see how the faith of my grandfather was one of the very first glimpses of God in my life? He just had faith that if I just had that that comic book Bible in my house, God would use it. And he did use it. So that's the faithfulness of my grandfather. And it's also the faithfulness of whoever decided to write that comic book Bible. I mean, they might be saying to themselves, is this really going to make a difference? Is this really going to impact anybody to eventually get saved? And I'm going to give you a resounding yes. So two people there God used, my grandfather and the author of that comic book Bible. Then moving forward, still around that age of four to six years old, I lived in a very small town, even at age, you know, five, I could just walk out of my house and across the street to the park by myself. I mean, my my area was really safe. And one day I was looking out my window at my park that was just, you know, right diagonally across the street from my house. It was called Howard Park in Fairfield, Iowa. And I noticed there was a bunch of children and a grown-up, and they were under a tree, and she was showing them something, and I had to know what was going on. That was just my personality. So I just walked across the street by myself and joined their group. <laughs> and you know what was going on? That was a Sunday school teacher, and she was teaching those kids the things about the Bible. Are you in ministry and feeling like The words you're saying are not making an impact on these little tiny ears and hearts that are hearing your words because they're giggling and they're running around and they're laughing. Well, when I was between four and six, I still remember to this day, and I'm 52 years old, 
that I was so intrigued by this woman and I didn't know what the Bible was and I I didn't know the story she was telling. This was all new to me, but she made a huge impact on me. So did I get saved that day? No, but I remember that day and God used that day as another stepping stone to lead me towards salvation. So again, let that encourage you that your efforts in talking about Jesus and being a light is not in vain. You just don't know how God is going to use it. All right. Same area of time, probably ages four to six. So remember, my parents were divorced. There was probably about a year that passed before I saw my my dad again. And then I was able to go start spending some time in the summers with my dad. In the very early years, it was just a couple weeks at a time. Eventually, it was all summer long. So back then, between the ages of four and six, I have this memory. It was my turn to be with my dad. And we were sitting around a table in his little kitchen in his very small apartment. And I remember that he had the Bible open and he was teaching me about the Virgin Mary and he was teaching me about Jesus. Now, I remember very clearly that I did not know what he was talking about. (laughs) But you know what he was doing? He was doing the same thing my grandfather was doing. He was getting that name of Jesus and the name at biblical terms. He was getting them familiar in my mind and heart so that they weren't so foreign to me. That had a huge impact on me. I remember it to this day, and I do again believe that it was another stepping stone of God finally getting a hold of my heart and me surrendering and trusting him as my savior. Then fast forward to me again in that same little farmhouse, and but now I'm about 12 years old. And I remember in the mail, we used to get these magazines that had decor, you know, plaques and all these pretty things you could decorate your house with, and they would have Bible things on them, poems about God. Some of them would have scriptures. And remember, I'm a 12-year-old girl, and I am not saved, and my family doesn't go to church. And the only exposure to Christianity that I've had is the Bible study in my dad's kitchen and my grandpa's Bible, comic book Bible that he sent us and, you know, very little exposure to it. And you know what God did? God had me memorize the Lord's Prayer from a picture of a plaque in that magazine. To me, I feel like that's miraculous. I mean, nobody told me to do that. That was the Holy Spirit drawing me. So how can this apply to you? If you are feeling like you've got a loved one or you've got a bus kid or you've got a neighbor and you're like, there's nobody to tell them about Christ. There's, how are they going to get saved? Nobody around them believes in God. There's nobody around them to be a light for Christ. Well, look what happened to me. A magazine came in my mailbox. And because of that magazine, I memorized the Lord's Prayer. Now, why in the world would a 12-year-old non-religious girl memorized these things. Well, I believe it's because God has no boundaries and he can go anywhere and he decided to meet me in my bedroom (laughs) with a magazine about decorations for the house and he had me memorize a, a whole passage of scripture. Nobody else was involved in that. Now, somebody else's prayers were probably involved in that. That's my guess. That memorization of the Lord's Prayer had an an even further meaning about, I don't know, three years later when I was around 15. 
And I had been getting into drugs and alcohol and I was out with a friend. He was a guy, but we weren't um, boyfriend, girlfriend. We were just friends. And he had brought some pot with him and then he brought some LSD. And LSD is a big deal. Holy cow. We took both and then we just parked somewhere. Who even knows where? I had what's called a bad trip. And that means that instead of that LSD causing a beautiful la-la-la experience, it caused a terrifying, devilish, horrific experience of hallucinations that were evil. And it was, it was absolutely terrifying. And all night long, the, the whole night was just awful. I even remember one time getting out of the car to probably go to the bathroom out in the woods. And I do remember that t- headlights pulled up and I have no memory after that. Who knows what happened? I have no idea. Then I got back in the car and when the morning light started to come, then uh, he took me home and I thought I was dead. My my hallucinations were still happening. I thought I was dead. So I went upstairs to my parents' bedroom, my mom and my stepdad, and I expected to see bones there because I was dead. That means they were dead. (laughs) And to make a long story short, the terror of that night lived with me for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I had to have my mom sleep with me at night. And the only thing that got me through was the Lord's Prayer. Because somehow, along my 15 years of being alive on this earth, God was able to impress upon me that his word had power and that he was good. And you know what? Maybe he taught me this through that comic book. But I knew his words had power and I knew that they would protect me from evil. And so over and over and over again, I would say that Lord's Prayer for weeks and weeks and weeks until I could finally sleep without my mom sleeping with me. Can you see God's hand in this? I mean, I mean, using a magazine to memorize scripture and, you know, anyway, I just think it's amazing what God does. And so God can do this for your person. Who are you thinking about right now that you're feeling like, oh, my grandchild, I don't have any exposure to their lives. I have no impact except for my prayers. They're never going to get saved. Well, that's probably what my grandfather and maybe my father thought because they were in a different state. They couldn't intervene in my life. All they could do was pray and send me stuff. (laughs) And that was enough, wasn't it? Okay, moving on. Then, when I was 15, I had been suicidal. I had a severe eating disorder. And I woke up one day and decided that I was going to, I'm not going to be detailed here. Um, You don't want to reveal ways that people try to take their life because if someone's seeking a way to end their life, they're really going to perk up and listen because they want ideas that work. So I'll just say that that morning, I did something that put my life in jeopardy. Then I went to school and was so terribly sick. Finally, I I went to uh, somebody, I went to another teenager, I think, and I said, can you take me to the hospital? I did such and such and I'm in trouble. I need some help. And to again, make a long story short, I almost didn't make it. They didn't know if I was going to make it through the night, but I did, praise the Lord, because I probably wasn't saved. But God spared my life, and 
I stayed in the hospital in a pediatric psychiatric ward for nine months. And at the beginning of that stay, my dad flew in from Colorado and he gave me the gospel. And I remember being in his hotel room. My stepmom was laying on the bed and I was at the table in the hotel room and he just was laboriously going over the gospel. And I just didn't, I had no clue what he was saying. But then I went nine months in a pediatric psychiatric ward. Finally, I got out. I was still absolutely miserable, but I was alive and I was safe. And and it, in the future, I'll tell you more about why I believe that there's huge benefits to secular counseling and psychiatric stays and all those things. They did save my life multiple times. But there I was in now a different farmhouse, <laughs> way out in the country. And my dad called me on the phone. And again, he gave me the gospel. And finally, the Holy Spirit connected all of those glimpses, the comic book from my grandpa, the uh, Sunday school teacher at the park, my dad at the kitchen table telling me about the Virgin Mary, the scripture that was inside that magazine, um, and how God's mercy allowed me to get through that terrifying recovery from the, uh, the drug episode and the gospel presentation that my dad gave me nine months prior. And God pieced all of those things together. Oh, what a long wait that must have been. My dad prayed for me from the the age of four, me being four, up until my salvation at 15. He prayed and prayed and prayed, but he had to watch me suffer so much. But God was working. God was doing so much work in my life. And finally, on that day in that old farmhouse, my dad told me the gospel again, and I understood what he was saying. It made sense now. I understood that I was a sinner. I understood the provision that Jesus had made for me to be forgiven and to go to heaven, and I got saved that day. And now I am a faithful servant of the Lord. Now, my daddy died at age 54. He never got to see me serve God. So, He'll see in heaven the fruit of his labor. I hope that you see how my testimony can benefit you and encourage you because it shows you examples of how God works in a lost person's life to bring them to himself. And in the song that I wrote that you'll hear in a second, I say, I'm sure there's so many glimpses of him that I completely missed. Times where he was showing me himself that I didn't even recognize. But he just kept trying. Remember our verse, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, to me, to those in your life that are lost, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Your labor, as you labor for the lost, as a missionary, as a Sunday school teacher, as a pastor's wife, as Um, rearing up your children so that they can one day know Christ. I mean, as you're doing all these things, do not lose faith or hope. God is faithful and he is working in those lives to bring them to himself. You just might not be able to see that it's happening. And then the other way that I wanted to encourage you is a lot of you listeners have ministries that are ministering to our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're working so tirelessly And it's so easy to get discouraged because God doesn't always show us the fruit. But God says, therefore, my beloved brethren, I know I said this before, but let's just hear it again. Let's just 
relish in God's faithfulness and promise. He says, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, and for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. He's so faithful to see us, to see our work. The last verse I'll read, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Our God is a faithful God who will reward our obedience and our faithfulness and our devotion to Him. So even though you may not be able to see the fruit, remember our motive is not to see the fruit. Because we're going to get the wrong evaluation of our work if we're going to base it on uh, the fruit that God allows us to see. We're going to get discouraged. It's kind of like if you put all the effort in to create a really nice Facebook post that really lifts God up and two people like it, and you're evaluating your uh, ministry on those two likes, well, you're going to be really discouraged. So you have to change your motive. You know, doing things unto Christ and not unto men. Now, I didn't write any of those verses down, but you know there's a ton of verses that talk about our work motive should be unto Christ, doing it for Christ, not unto men, because that's not a good evaluation or appraisal of our work. God will show us the fruit of our labors. We just have to be patient. It might not happen till eternity. Well, boy, I'm having a hard time saying goodbye just because I'm excited about God. I want you to be excited about God. We do get weary. I hope that none of you think that my life doesn't have these hills and pits and valleys and that it's just all mountaintops because that's a lie for sure, right? If the devil's telling you that, he's he's selling you a lie. You know, this whole podcast is about renewing the mind. We have more power than we think. When we choose to look at the truth, it doesn't take away the trials and the circumstances that are harmful, hurting us, negative, bringing us heartache. But it changes our perspective. It reminds us, hey, we're on the winning side. Our efforts aren't in vain. Even though we struggle with life and sin and all the things, we have an identity as a new creature in Christ. We get to live the victorious life. And that's really what I want you to catch is that excitement because you're a child of God. Maybe spend some time reflecting on your salvation testimony and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what did God do to lead you up to the point that you got saved? What glimpses of himself did he show you until you finally understood what he was saying and you claimed that gift of eternal life for yourself? I'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen and connect with me today. I'm your host, Jennifer Scow. We're going to end this episode with a song from one of my albums. I pray the song I've chosen encourages or comforts you and unites you in fellowship and worship of your Savior. Until we meet again, I want to encourage you to invite God to everything and keep choosing loyalty to God's thoughts above your own. It is a pleasure serving with you as we fight this battle of the mind together. We are co-laborers for Christ and we are on the winning side. Praise the Lord. I'll talk to you next week. Love, Jennifer.
I looked out my window to the park across the street. Kids gathered round a teacher. I just had to go see. They were learning of you. I was so intrigued. That was my first glimpse of you. It was my daddy's turn to be with me. He told me about Mary and a virgin birth. Though I didn't understand, I remember that day. That was another glimpse of you. I had found the Lord's prayer. I learned every word. I'd say it over and over when I was afraid. I didn't know you then, but your word got me through. It was another glimpse of you. I know there are glimpses I don't remember, and glimpses you show that I missed. But what love, what patience you invested in this little. Lost girl. Then at fifteen, I heard your story again. You'd shown so many glimpses. I finally understood. I wrapped my heart around your promise. You wrapped grace and mercy around me. Still keep giving me glimpses of you.